Welcome to this episode of Four Ears. I'm Armin Hammer. That's Chase Long right there. What up? You're wearing a shirt that says Evolve. That's right. What's up with that? It's Train Adapt Evolve. It's their shirt. They make shirts. Who? But apparently you have to... Is Train Adapt and Evolve. So oh, are those the people that you work with? Yeah, those are people I work with. Well, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, they help me with my, my diet and my training and make sure I'm not, you know, just completely running myself into the ground. At least they're putting some speed bumps between you and running yourself into the ground is what you're saying. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. One will do what one is meant to do. Uh, you asked me if we had a plan for this show I before we you. started. I did. <laughs> this is the and first time. You know what? I can count maybe a hundred shows that we've done where I went, so what are we going to talk about this episode? And you go, I don't know. We're just going to do the show. And that's what I just gave to you. I have, I have no idea. You're the one that promised these people that we wouldn't do rap or hip hop. That's right, because I don't want to talk about rap or hip hop all the time. I want to rap talk about other pop. stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. yeah, I had a stroke earlier today. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. Really appreciate it. Uh, no, today we're not talking about rap or hip hop. We're not talking about Astro World. There's like a which fully, we did last week. An almost fully empty bottle of wine was sitting on this table, and now I'm 100% sure why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Listen, dude. Day drinking is a hell of a drug, Armin. <laughs> when you're unemployed, you drink on Mondays. What, I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, Points for knowing it's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so today, instead of talking about um, instead of talking about a hip hop album or a new album, we're going to be talking about albums that neither of us have ever heard. And that's actually a little not true. <laughs> you said that it's, such in such a convoluted way. We haven't. We, we just went through. <laughs> we just we just picked an album. I picked an album that I know Chase has not ever heard. Chase picked an album that I he knows that I have never heard. And uh, the idea is for us to broaden each other's horizons and provide one another with you know maybe like a look into some of the non hip hop songs and shit that we might listen to every now and then, right? That's, yeah. that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Or am I completely off base here? Did I think I that was that the whole I think idea. That was the, I thought that was the, the point. original Genesis. So what is the album that you've picked, Chase? So I've chose. I've cho- chosen. Chosen? I've, I have picked Sturgill Simpson's A Sailor's Guide to Earth. Uh, it was released in... Let me check here. Bump, bump, bump. Was it 2015? Uh, it says 2016 on, on Spotify. Whenever it was released, it was released a little while ago, um, and it's an album that I listened to because I heard Sturgill talk on Joe Rogan's podcast uh, back when I was in college, and I just remember being like, oh, that guy sounds kind of cool. I don't really like country, but maybe I'll give it a shot. It sounds like it's a little bit different country, and uh, I was not disappointed, um, but this is just kind of an album that's like really stuck with me throughout the years. I own the vinyl, and you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's a it's an album I can always put put on and get like a certain type of vibe and feeling, and uh, it makes for good just background music or back background music while you're driving. It's just nice chill vibe. So I think you should know about it. I I dig I dig chill vibes. His name's um, Sturgill Simpson. See, I've heard his name before, but I've never heard a single one of his songs before, and that's about to change today. I'm it really is. pumped about that. It is so. And what is there picked? is there a theme? Is there is there an idea behind this album? Yeah. So the whole idea behind the album is uh, you may notice that the name of it is a, a sailor's guide to Earth. So Sturgill 
made this album for his, uh, I believe at the time was like unborn son or newborn son at the time, um, as just basically a guide through life, like from song one, uh, welcome to earth all the way to the, the last song down there. If you scroll up, uh, if you can figure out how your laptop works, there we go. Uh, call to arms. It's, uh, just kind of like a chapter by chapter, how to guide to growing up and becoming a man and what to do. Uh, at least in the Sturgill's eyes. Interesting. Um, but it doesn't come across as like uh, an arbitrary um, type of like theme album where it's like, okay, we're going to make an album about how to become a good man. And first thing you need to do is not cry. Second thing you need to do is kill stuff. Third thing you need to do is love women. <laughs> like Drink it, beer, love women. Drink beer, work stuff. on cars. And yeah. Uh, and don't play video games or look at books or anything. Uh, it doesn't come across like that at all. It just comes across very uh, sincere, authentic, and um, very emotional. Like that's that would be like the difference for me with Sturgill and uh, other country artists that talk about uh, you know country kind of has a similar theme throughout, but his stands out because he's not talking about how he like lost a woman that he loves or how his dog ran away or or about his favorite truck or about his favorite truck. Right. Okay. Um, sounds exciting. I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Sounds like the exact type of like, like, um, maybe like downer country that I love listening to. Hell yeah. Fuck yes. All right. Uh, I picked an album that I feel like you know about, but have never heard. And that album is deloused in the comatorium by the Mars Volta. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and, I know of Mars Volta. Uh, yeah. Have you heard any of Mars Volta stuff? Uh, if I've heard it, I didn't know that I was actively listening to it. You would probably have remembered, I think. I think you think this would have stuck in your brain. Um, all right. So, Deloused in the Comatorium is a concept album. Great. From the Mars Volta. The Mars Volta is a. I I don't know how best to describe them. I guess they're kind of like a jazz fusion, progressive, um, uh, like Spanish influenced rock. That's probably a good way to describe them. Um, this album was released in 2003. Hmm. And when I first heard it, I hated it. I thought it was miserably bad. Like it was, I thought it was absolutely horrible. Sick. And then I listened to it a lot more. And I was like, there's something here. I know there's something here. And I'll tell you why. They were opening for a perfect circle. And a band I'm well aware of. Yeah. So they were opening for a perfect circle. And. I was I was there for an a perfect circle concert in uh, the early 2000s and um I remember watching them live and thinking there's like a really crazy energy here and the music is pretty cool but like live doesn't really do anybody any justice I was like all right well if I thought the music was cool live I'm sure I'll love the the album so I went and I bought the actual CD for Delouse I feel like that the whole concept they just stated it's backwards you think the live? Do you think the first introduction to an, a band live is is the best way to be introduced to them? Yeah, for sure. I like, I don't I know. Feel, I feel like if something's going to do justice by an artist, it is live. Interesting. Unless it's pop. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. I think that's up. To, <laughs> I think that's up for debate. I wouldn't mind having that discussion down the road. I think there are some bands that like the very first time you hear them, you need to hear them live to really understand the energy of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then there are some bands like you need to be introduced to them like via 
a recording to understand really hmm. what they've got going on. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like either way, there was something really uh, special about how, how their music affected me in that moment. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I didn't really pick it up. I didn't get it. So I bought the album. And I listened to the album. And I hated it. And I was like, I can't fucking believe that we wasted money on this album. Like, yeah, this honey album dick at a show, man. And then uh, I was like, there's got to be something good in this album. Like, I've got to fucking find something good in this album. So uh, I listened to it a whole lot more. And it turns out it's one of my favorite albums of the past, like, 20 years. Like, I can listen to this album start to finish with no hesitation at this point. Because there's something about the way that it, it flows. And there's something about the energy to the songs that just really fucking rock. And if you've never heard the Mars Volta... God, I'm so pumped. Like listeners who are listening to this who've never heard the Mars Volta, I'm pumped to talk about them and like play clips of their songs. I would talk about their first three albums back to back to back for the next like two and a half hours if I could. But that's how excited I am about the Mars Volta. Um, okay, so the album is a concept album called Delouse in the Comatorium, and it's uh, it's about a man named Serpent Taxed who goes into a week long coma after overdosing on a mixture of morphine and rat poison. That's oddly specific. Uh, that's apparently what it says in um, on their Wikipedia page. But honestly, to me, and I know pretty much all the lyrics in the album, that really doesn't roll through. It's it's very uh, strange. It's a very strange album. What I do know is that it is inspired. The story of the album is inspired by an, a Texas artist named Julio Venegas who committed suicide in the mid 90s. And he was a friend of one of the people on, in the band. Mm-hmm. So I know that that's one of the big influences is this idea of this guy who kills himself. Um, but either way, uh, it is, uh, it's about an hour long. It's got a whole bunch of weird songs on it. And well, I think, uh, I think I'm ready to, I think I'm ready to get into this. So, so do you want to blow my mind first with Mars Volta? And I also want to point out that, where where's Mars Volta? Like where are they their band? Where did that sound originate from? Where where like where do they call home? Like what city um, are they from? America? They're they're American. Yeah, they're American. Uh, they are. I want to say they're basically an offshoot of a. So they're they're from Texas, but they're an offshoot of At the Drive-In. Have you heard of At the Drive-In? Mm-hmm. So At the Drive-In was this punk band that. Um, was the the lead singer and the guitarist had this punk band called At the Drive-In, and okay. then that band broke up, and they formed the Mars Volta afterwards. But okay. all of it happened in El Paso, so it's a it's a very Texas, it's a very El Paso Texas sound. And if you've ever been to El Paso, it is essentially the grayscale of existence. Like there just isn't anything exciting going on there, except for apparently people killing themselves to inspire other artists i have no idea incredible my that's my that's my experience in in uh in el paso at least maybe maybe someone who lives there has more exciting things to say but okay. uh yeah they're they're an el paso band and uh they're very much influenced by like the fusion uh jazz fusion prog rock uh, mm-hmm. acts from like the late 70s early 80s uh, but with like a salsa, Latin, Mexican American, and like just heavy rock and roll feel to it. Nice. And the lead singer sounds shockingly, shockingly like Robert Plant. Like he Whoa. could be a stand-in for Robert Plant if Robert Plant didn't want to do Led Zeppelin shows. Oh, sure. It's incredible. Okay, that's what I think at least. That that should be like your hook line, for me. For now you? I'm interested. Fair enough. 
<laughs> All right, so I guess I'll start with uh, the loust. De loust in the comatorium. In the comatorium. I'll I'll begin. I'm trying to think of the best place to start, and I think probably the best place to start. And here's here's what's going to happen. I'm just gonna I'm gonna apologize to everyone who's listening right now because here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna play maybe like a song or a song and a half for for chase and i'm going to edit it down during the episode so you guys are only going to hear maybe like 20 or 30 seconds you follow along if you can this is a great episode in which to have these albums up on spotify or itunes and just like pause listen and then follow along cool cool so here's how the album starts it starts with a song called sonnet lumiere i believe that's how you pronounce it and it goes like this It is intense. Uh, it's the type of thing that I'd be into. I don't understand, unless maybe there's like I need to listen to another song. What would be so offensive about it the first time you listen to it? <laughs> it um, seems to rock right from the get go. It does rock right from the get go. Uh, I think a big part of the reason why I didn't like it originally was because this I, is also 2003. This is 2003. I was 14. Uh, you know, so I was I'm a child, right? More of a child than I am right now. True. And I'm a try <laughs> child. Uh, and I just seen them live. And so here's one thing that I, I did not mention Damn, is that they saw a perfect circle live when you're 14. My first concert ever was tool. Fucking metal. Bro. When? When I was in 2002, maybe, so maybe were, earlier that 13, year in 2003, right. maybe. Yeah. So I was like 13. Cool. I, I want to see that was my, my first, first concert, concert ever was ever clear. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. It was actually pretty badass. That's Whitey Ford sings the blues. Hmm? Is that not Everclear? Right? What? Whitey Ford sings the blues? Isn't that the uh, same band? Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Either way, when I saw them live, they put on a very strange live show. They do a lot of drugs. Hell yeah. And it's very, uh, it's like a lot of uh, just sort of making shit up on the moment. Improv, right? It's a lot of improv- improvisation within the songs. And you'll hear, if, if you listen to more of the album, you'll hear there there's parts of the songs where things just kind of like, like float away and then there's just like noise you're like oh okay fuck and then it comes back like 40 seconds later or like a minute and a half later sometimes and it's like these it's like a very strange but uh common thing that happens in these types of like jazz prog fusion bands like they just kind of give this room to improv and that that was the energy that i picked up on within like the framework of their songs live but when i was listening to i was like where the fuck is that 
and I didn't hear that. So, yeah, so it's like <clears throat> it's kind of like how jam like listening to a jam band live like uh, Primus right. or String Cheese, like um, then you listen to the album, and you're like, oh man, like they didn't do that one bit that sounds like the beginning of uh, of some fucking like led zeppelin song why didn't they do that right it's, <laughs> it's like, like oh, oh they just made it up on the spot i forgot that about was that accidental yeah so uh the album is it starts off with this kind of very uh great glimpse at what the mars volta is about it's you can hear sort of like the salsa piano you can hear this like furious drumming you can hear this really aggressive uh guitar work and bass work the lyrics don't make a lot of sense this is kind of like nonsensical words just sound like screaming to me basically yelling uh but it's very uh, an incredibly powerful vocalist i Mm -hmm. mean he's like his range is it's redonkulous 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 his range is ridiculous uh and he's basically all over the place in what he's talking about but the the tone is, I think, to me, what sets them apart. Like, they're able to create this, like... I, I, I'm going to keep talking about the energy of the album. And they, they're able to set the tone so well. And I think I think it comes from the guitarist who's, like, kind of the brain behind it. Okay. Um, and this album was produced by Rick Rubin. Oh, shit. So, when you have someone like Rick Rubin sitting in on these recordings and he's like, Hey, man, like, if we can just... It's his, like if we can just remove this or like amplify this portion, you're like you're gonna be getting more of an effect. And I think he learned that over time after working with them. And like the subsequent couple albums they did after this were very fucking tight with being able to like produce the the like meaningful effect that they're trying to get. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean it's it's I think that's a great example of of what they're all about because it's all over the place musically. There's a lot of different vibes going on there's a lot of different like shifts in the uh like the the tempo there's a lot of different shifts in what instrument is is like pushed forward and you know all of it kind of keeps you on your toes but it's like a really um fascinating listen yeah so yeah i I would like just based off that one song it's like um it's like entertaining to listen to but it's not uh it's not like I guess like a lot of metal or a lot of rock songs, it's kind of hard to get into a rhythm, like a comfortable rhythm. Like it's almost like it's agitated at you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what's what's next on it? So there's a, there's a lot of long songs on this album, uh, but they're kind of all intercut with these like strange little um, intermissions, uh, which kind of show off what types of musicians these guys are. But there's maybe... Th- three more songs that i want to talk about there's the first half of the album is great the, the entire album is really fantastic but i want to cut to what i think might be like the one song off this album that like best describes the strange like progginess of what these guys do and that is called cicatriz esp or esp Yeah. 
there's a whole uh there's a whole section in this in this song that's like this. It's like three and a half minutes of this. <laughs> Either way. Uh so that song Cicatriz, uh, I believe that's Spanish for scar and esp is like a I think it's a, the type of guitar that they were working on mm. um to make the sound, which is I don't know, it's a weird it's a it's weird like thing to name. Yeah. The sounds like the kind of underwater type of deal. Um Man, that was like super interesting. And then just it's like first part of the song. Cool. And they're like, We're done playing that part. That's exactly what it's like. We're gonna have this helicopter noise. And yeah, now we're gonna play this song just for like nine. They're like, okay, that that was fun. Like we set this whole thing up. Like check it out, guys. There's a chorus and there's a verse. I think we're done now. So let's just go <laughs> away for a second, reconvene, and now we're back. Back checking out, yelling. Yeah, and one of the things that I really love about this album, um, I I, I'll, I will say this. I'm gonna say straight off the bat. I think Mars Volta's first three albums. This, the next album was Francis the Mute. And the album after that is, um, I want to say, gosh, uh, Octahedron? No, it's not Octahedron. I forget what it was called. Um, that's a very strong name for a record. Octahedron. Yeah. yeah, they have some really weird names. Amputexture. How's that for one? Amputexture? Uh, Amputexture, yeah. So their first three albums, D. Last in the Comatorium, Francis the Mute, and Amputexture, I think are them at the height of what they do Mm. this is their first album it's very raw it's much more of this processed sound and a lot of that was due to they had this member in their band who was that was what he did his entire role in the band was to take what they had recorded take the songs that they had created and then process them to like make that sound like you wrote a song that's cool i'm gonna stop it 90 seconds in we're going to have like a 10 second break where it sounds like everything's floating away and then suddenly comes rushing back at you. And then, it, and that energy was like, um, that type of processing in post after it all been already created yeah. was a big part of what made this sound so like strange and out there and raw, but at the same time, like rock so, so hard. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, this is a good example of what they do because, it has like a Spanish vibe to it. It has this very um, interesting sort of like old school rock and roll feel to it. Yeah. Uh, with the way it vibes. But it also has a very clear influence from, you know, jazz and uh, salsa music. It has like this this like rhythm to the beat, uh, to the drum work. That's like one of the things that sets them apart, I think, is they have had very good drummers in their band over the years. And their work is always showcased. They're always working really hard, like keeping track of all these different tempos and the changes and this and that. It's, it's really challenging. But yeah, um, yeah. so I, I think Cicatriz is a great example of, of what they're able to do. The next two songs are actually the last two songs of the album. Uh, the last, uh, the second to last song is called Televators. And I like this song because it's super downer. What's a, what's a good album without a super downer song? If it's not a super downer album on its own, it needs a super downer. They song. clearly don't exist with it for us, right? It's not possible, right? It doesn't. It's not possible. If you don't have a, an album that has a super downer song on it, then I don't know if I'm listening to it. Where's right? your sad boys music? That's right. And uh, I would say this is probably the equivalent. This is the great great example of that. This song is called Televators. Mm-hmm. 
This song is interesting. Um, it's really weird listening to these. I feel like when I'm listening to it right now, I'm almost listening it through like the first time I'm listening to it. Like I'm listening to it through your ears almost mm. because it just sounds weirder and weirder the, like in these moments. Because I hear things now like the layering of his voice or the layering of these guitars. It's like, you know, it's something that... Um, would happen in queen right this like layer after layer after layer of the voice except in queen it's like here's a rock opera and here he's eating about he's talking about like half-eaten corneas and shit like yeah. the 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 uh out there-ness of what he's singing about and the uh the vibe of the music i feel like goes so well together you know he is a lot of times not really saying anything that makes any sense but you get the feeling of what he's trying to say, mm. I think. And um, there's a lot of times where I had to like, I looked up the lyrics to these uh, these songs and then I had to actually look up what any of those words meant. I was like, what the hell is auto de fe? I don't know what that means. Apparently it means like killing yourself in public. And that's what is really interesting to me is that like this entire thing is supposed to be this concept album of this guy who falls into a coma after like overdosing on a bunch of shit. But the actual story that it's motivated by is this this artist who killed himself by jumping into traffic like off of a bridge into a freeway or something so the the pain yeah yeah so it's uh the the those, definitely not a coward's way out though. no those badass. things those things uh going out on your shield yeah yeah he did those things really kind of sneak their way in even though there is no real narrative content to the uh, lyrics there's there's like a, a, a an emotional or psychological content that you kind of pick up on. Yeah, I can't, I can't say for can't say for certain because it's not really my uh, my genre of music that I know of like a shit ton about. But I feel like uh, the members of say the Use, Good Charlotte, My Chemical Romance, like I feel like those guys definitely know about this song and this album because I get like traces of their sound in that like how how his voice um like is layered over top of the instruments or 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 just kind of like his tone and his pitch and how the song builds and it's kind of dark and gloomy like atmospheric sound um it's 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 definitely like i mean this is 2003 so i don't know maybe these were all all from the same time and they didn't inspire each other but like you definitely see like the undertones of like that goth emo movement sure. in that one song. Oh, for sure. It's dark as shit. It is dark as shit. Um, and I, I think a lot of those bands, you know, as, as 
strange as it sounds, I think they're they're like the bands that are the uh, inspiration to Loki. They're the bands that are the inspiration to the bands that we listen to, mm-hmm. right? Which we may not necessarily ever have heard of. Yeah. And I think that there's a potential that a song like this or an album like this kind of made the rounds in the early 2000s, even just among the producers that were helping those those bands out. Yeah. And they were like, hey, like, here's a sound. Like, try this sound. Like, well, why don't we do this with this, this, yeah. and this, and see what happens? And, you know, it's not like people were copying it, but Stop like... Stop putting your eyeliner on and play this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like... <laughs> God! And flip, hair flip out of his eyes. Yeah. Why are you talking to me like that? Oh, God. <laughs> Damn, uh, it's too too easy for you to pull that character. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think al- a bands like At the Drive-In, which was the like precursor to the Mars Volta, and uh, the Mars Volta, I think that punk sound. You know, one of the things about punk is that it's very uh, it's very generational. It's very ancestral. It's very much about what did the last punk band do? Like mm-hmm. what are, what were the legends of punk doing, and how do we continue that feeling yeah. on? Uh, you know, punk is is very much like I don't know very many punk acts, but the ones that I do, all of them are kind of built on this respect of what their previous precursors were doing, and I think that's something that that you might be picking up on. And then mm. the last, the last song on this album is called "Take the Veil, Serpent Taxed." So this is where the concept of the album kind of is supposed to come together of this guy Serpent Taxed taking the veil, aka killing himself. So. um yeah, it it sounds something like this. Smash that motherfucking play button. I know we listened to a lot of that song. It's very like Grateful Deadish, where just like they'll just find like uh, a, a jam, a riff, and they're like, "We're gonna just explore this to the fullest." And uh, I, I don't care that this is the album. You're gonna join us. Yeah, and that's like, a great way of Shit. describing it. That's a Didn't great. Do they have way like a time it? limit in the studio? Yeah. Like, are you guys? Aren't you paying for this by the minute? Like, I've seen a lot of movies about this, and I feel like you are. Um, 
but it is super like when you do find a riff that that you jive with um that's super cool um and it's also kind of like the same problem it's like i run into the same problem whenever i uh i I forget what the name of it is but i used to use an app that would just i could follow some like random like club djs or uh well-known hip-hop djs and they would make uh make sets that they would either play at shows or they'd be playing at uh like new york like menswear stores like they'd make custom playlists of songs that they mix just for it and like these things would be like two to three hours long and it'd be like oh man like around the hour 20 minute mark there's this super sick part and i got you gotta listen to it just because of this and like trying to tell a friend to listen to a three-hour <laughs> endeavor because there's like a good 45 second chunk where it's just like man he fucking nailed it that was da vinci's code of music and he unlocked it <laughs> um that's how i feel with this and that's yeah. how i feel with a lot of uh like grateful dead's work it's like oh man that drum the drum breakdown. Yeah. My brain exploded temporarily. I need you to listen to it. Yeah, you've got to dig through it. It's a big ask. I mean, you're talking about committing an hour. You know, I mean, that's maybe that's not a big ask, but you're talking about committing an hour of actually paying attention to the song. Yeah. Because you can easily miss it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I love about um, overthinking things like this, right, is mm-hmm. that I... I attribute a lot of thoughtfulness i i to my to me when i hear something like that i'm like all right nothing that i heard was accidental so therefore when i'm thinking about what i'm hearing i'm trying to figure out why are they giving this to me like why what is the message they're trying to send maybe the message is like hey guys heroin's cool or maybe the message they're trying to send is like hey this is supposed to symbolize something see that that's that's the vibe i was getting is like man maybe this is like some type of form of of art or expression and i'm just missing the point but at the same time that first like when it first comes unraveled i felt like they were just saying fuck you for listening so hard 100 percent, 100 percent. you just don't know sometimes you just don't know and i think the the thing that i like about how the album ends is uh okay so i heard this thing in high school um in my media class and Uh, Our teacher was an actor and he was saying basically like there's a difference between a scene that ends on inhale and an exhale. And I've always remembered that. I've always thought there's a difference in how something ends. Like there's a difference between a song that ends or an album that ends in an inhale or an exhale. And I think that uh, in this case, that song ends with them basically at the fucking peak energy anger hurt power that they've got it's like this very aggressive not relaxing like it's like this crazy aggressive exhale and uh to me that's like a fucking punch to the gut like you're listening to an album and you're like okay you've taken me on a journey especially like a concept album like you've taken me on a journey everything's been really fucking weird it's been jazz fusion prog rock and salsa and i don't understand anything that's happening at least leave me with something comforting or relaxing at the end of it and at the end of it you just basically get elbowed in the face Mm -hmm. and uh i fucking love that album for that for just being able to say we're not going to end on like a calm note we're not going to end on a resolution like we're going to end on to me i envision it being the feeling of right before you die having successfully committed suicide by jumping off of a bridge into traffic the moment before you actually hit the ground or get run over by a truck and die like a revel a revelation of what the fuck just happened 
is that moment to me. That last like 30 seconds of that song, I'm like, holy shit, guys. This is an intensity I don't know if I was ready to, to handle from this. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So that is... Uh, or, it's either that noise or it's... Or it's <laughs> and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's my way to... In, and not even... We didn't even scratch the surface. I could do... I could literally talk about every song and what they all... How I break down each one of them. Uh, and we can do that this for hours, but... Chase also brought an album today, an album that I'm actually very excited to listen to some tracks to. So take it away, bud. Man, it's hard to follow up that. And it's a completely different direction because yours is uh, this prog jazz fusion fucking rock your face off Spanish influence mambo jambo jam band, lots of drug use. And Sturgill is not that. Sturgill is a man... Simple man <coughs> from Kentucky. <laughs> I love him already. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I love him already. Okay. And uh, he is 100% Kentucky. He is uh, the heir apparent of Waylon Jennings. <laughs> Fucking yes. And un- I guess maybe not unlike Waylon, he, uh, he brings a very specific sound uh, and view and perspective to the country genre. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, every other artist, your, your Toby Keith's, your Jason Aldean's, your Florida Georgia line. Uh, I'm not going to put them in there with country, but unbelievable, but any of those cats, they're making a very specific country that gets radio play and is loved by the, the nine to five man that, drives a pickup truck to work and drinks Budweiser and watches football uh, and always reminisces about that high school love that got away. Make a song, a brand that is very specific to that, right? And Sturgill comes to the scene and he's like, guys, I don't know if this is true. I'm going to preface it with that. But (laughs) guys, have you ever tried shrooms or DMT? And they're like, what are those? Have a cold one. And he's like, no, I'm on a different, I'm on a different whole planet. <laughs> I'm going to have <laughs> a lukewarm one. <laughs> um, so he gets onto the scene in, I think, 2012, 2013 uh, with two self-released albums. Um, I forget what the first one was called, but the second one was uh, Meta- Meta Modern Sounds for Country Music of Country Music. Um, and it and it had a few uh, like crazy songs, but the, overall the whole album kind of like cements his trademark gives him like a a a stamp that he's now known in the industry for it's like that's a sturgill simpson song like that's what that album did for him and it and it got um i think it won some awards maybe at the cmt awards um and was just generally well reviewed and uh, critically acclaimed um but again it was like self-released um finally in 2016 he puts together a sailor's guide to earth um and that's his first like commercial release with a record label um and that uh basically the recipe that he put together with meta modern mixed with the the distribution power and the the publishing power of an actual actual record label is basically what finally catapulted him into some like mainstream success into being like mentioned with other artists into getting like radio time into actually getting 
nominated and winning the best country album at the Grammys for 2016. Wow. He was also nominated for the best album of the year, 2016 for a sailor's guide to earth. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot on this album. Um, and also if you haven't ever seen it in, in person, it has some really, really dope art. Like it's just beautiful. That's part of the reason why I own the vinyl. Cause it's just like this crazy, like midnight, like at sea fucking boat, um, like oil painting anyways. Uh, it jumps off. And as I mentioned earlier, this whole thing is, uh, a letter to his newborn son who at the time would have been two. Uh, his son was born in 2014. This album came out 2016 and he wrote this letter to his son on basically how to be a man and how to like be a good person. Uh, it starts, Whoop. <laughs> it starts out with a song called welcome to earth and it's, uh, quotation marks polywog sounds something like this Welcome to Earth May not be my last But you'll always be my first Wish I'd done this ten years ago But how could I know how could I know that the answer was so easy? It breaks my heart to see how much you've grown all on your own. God damn it, Chase. It's a banger. You fucking <laughs> nailed it. I am listening to the fuck out of the rest of this album already. You've sold me with the first song. Dude, that song is so well done. Katie almost started crying. I Full disclosure, the first time I heard it, I was by myself driving from where I went to college back home. I rolled a tear. Dude, I almost <laughs> that rolled a tear, line, but you're sitting right here and I can't do it. That line, you you may not be my first, wait, you may not be my last, but you'll always be my first, talking about his son. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even a dad. <laughs> Why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? Yeah, so what, what we kind of missed there, because we didn't want to play the entire song, is there's a transition. Um and I forget how the transition happens, but it's just very like punches you in the face because you're like you're on the verge of weeping. And then he's like, all right, it's a happy album. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then you're like, ah, <laughs> so it's just uh, it's just amazing. And like it listening to that and then you bring any country music that's being made that's on like the top 40 list for country right now. 
to me, I'm going to be like, no, you're not, you're not making Can't music, touch man. It. No, this is this is fucking art. That yeah. is art. It's incredible. It's incredible. He knows how to make music. Like this man in Kentucky does it right. Wow. Big surprise. Uh, so if you needed any other songs <laughs> after that one, <laughs> uh, I want to move on to keep it between the lines. Breakers Roar is like really dope and you definitely have to listen to it. The cool thing about this whole album is it's only 38 minutes. So it's easily digestible, much like the seven track albums that Ye was putting out. That's it. We made it. <laughs> we made it back to like What's the timestamp? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, keep it between the lines. Yeah, so it's keep it between the lines, and I think just through the first verse and, and the chorus, you kind of get the the idea of what that entire song's uh, set up to be. But I kind of put it on here, not because it's it is one of my favorites from the album, but not because it's like necessary listening, but it's because it highlights what the whole album is about. It's like this is the most vivid version of like, hey son, these are my to dos and not to dos. Interesting <laughs> for you if you're gonna come up. Um, and it's also kind of like it shows off like his personality really well through the writing and his uh, his sense of humor. You know, like, you know, don't turn mailboxes into baseballs. It's very that's very clever, very poignant. But it's also like whereas I think uh, a lot of artists in his in his field or if they're writing a song like this would try to keep it pretty PG thirteen. He's just like, don't get pushed in the selling at seventeen, <laughs> and then he's like. You know, st- you know, stay in school, stay off the hard drugs, yeah. keep it between the lines. But he's just like smart. He's like, you know, if, if you do some psychedelics, just don't do coke or Zans. Or <laughs> yeah, don't be little Zan. Like I don't, I don't need you being that. Um, so it, like it, it kind of speaks to that authenticity that I was saying. Like, there's nothing that he's like that I get a sense that he's censoring or that he's he's writing for the studio to approve of or for people to play it on the radio. You know, uh, one of my favorite country songs, it's not really a country song, it's just an old school rock and roll song, is Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. So when I think of songs that are written in a way of like, hey, I'm giving you the my perspective on what it means to be an adult human male in this world, I think of Simple Man. And it's really fascinating to me that not only is that just like, that's not like a one-off thing, that's like a common... That's like a common thing, theme in this type of like Southern rock country music is this idea of like teaching the next generation of what, you know, here's what it means to be a person. I think that's really beautiful. That's a really fucking cool thing. Yeah. And it's kind of just, uh, I don't know, like 
I don't know if they're intentionally writing about that type of stuff, like because they know it's a good like heartstring play, but it is something that's super like primal. Um, that like, I don't know if it hits females the same way that it hits males, but it's just like no man. It's I gotta tell this. I gotta tell this thing how to be me. Sons and their fathers, not me, but me. Yeah, that's that's uh, the whole thing about sons and their fathers. The the next one I really want to hit on here is in bloom. Tell me and it's a cover. Let's hear it. Shocker. Sankey's food Where the changes move Spring is here song's originally about no i don't think that's what the song no, i think it's pretty I, cool though i think he made i think he made some really smart adjustments to the <laughs> song and made it about something different yeah yeah the original song is very much about <clears throat> you know fuck these dudes showing up to my concert <laughs> <laughs> that don't know the words but we're super popular now so i guess i got to deal with this hopefully i don't blow my brain um <laughs> sturgill instead is writing it about how you know, it's uh, very much like the importance of knowing how to like love yourself, but also like love someone. Um, and he's like, that's why it fits the album. Otherwise, it would kind of come off as like, I really wanted to cover in Bloom. So I covered in Bloom. It's on the album by hmm. the album. Um, but he also made a music video for it. And I haven't watched the music video, but in an interview about it, he's like, you know, when I wrote this, not when I wrote the song, but when I made this song, covered it and when i made the music video i really just wanted to make uh like a really beautiful like homage to kurt cobain because he just really respected him as an artist and what he did um which i think speaks to why his sounds so much different and you know unique it's very much like that kind of like that same bane of you know don't be like everybody else just be yourself double down on your individuality so yeah so I dig it. That's a cool. That's a cool interpretation of that song. Um, when I first listened to the album, I made the mistake of listening to In Bloom first because I was just like, oh, "I gotta hear this Nirvana cover. That's gonna be the best thing." And honestly, for me, it's maybe one of like the like I'm not gonna go to that track because it's kind of there's no point where it like explodes like In Bloom does for for Nirvana where it's like, yeah, that thing. It's just it's just super laid back, mellow, and then it's over. It doesn't ever like, <laughs> doesn't ever pick up. It's just you know a little sad song, in the middle of it. Um, so I haven't really thought about what song I wanted to finish up on. Um, I'm leaning more towards "Brace for Impact" rather than "Call to Arms." "Call to Arms" is the last last song on the album, um, but "Call to Arms" is very much a like a 
No, fuck it. Just play Call to Arms. I forgot that that's the that's the one song that we actually get the f bomb in too. So that was awesome. It's awesome. It's unexpected. <laughs> it was super unexpected the first time I listened to it. Um, and I don't know if you picked up on it just through the first couple verses there, but it's definitely like an anti anti war song, if anything. Hmm. Um, basically, he's telling his son like um, he's he's not like it doesn't sound like he's condemning war so much as he's just kind of like tired of it like why do we keep going overseas and you know risking our our men's lives and yada yada for all these you know politicians like reasons right right all this like the oil war basically um and he says like a a really impactful line right before I guess you'd call it like the first the first chorus or, or bridge kicks in where he says, I, son, I hope you don't grow up believing that you got to be a puppet just to be a man. Hell yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Talk to him, Sturgill. <laughs> um, it's just uh, really well, w- really well written and concise and to the point like. Don't don't be a jarhead, basically. Yeah. Like think for yourself go outside the box like it's fucking great i get i get the sense as as uh as sturgill is as a dad like the last thing you'd want to see is like his son in a uniform heading overseas like it would break his heart which is really hard especially being in in his industry where like patriotism like if you're not if you're an american country artist and you're not like for the troops or for the war or you know back in the president like it puts you in a very weird spot because there's not very many. I mean, there are now, but like, it's just not. It's just not the culture, right? It's you're supposed to be like a conservative if you're a country artist for the most part, right? But you have like your your um, 
what's the guitarist from here? What's his name? I guess he's more of a rock artist um, from Austin. Willie? No, no. Well, Willie, <laughs> Willie would be the opposite. Um, the black dude, Gary Clark. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, there's um, there's definitely room for it now, but man, it's still a tough spot to be in. And to close out such like a phenomenal album with it, like I feel like he was able to write and create a song on that topic and target that specific thing because he knew the rest of it was maybe undeniable. Hmm. And like this song, it just as well, he's like, well, it's going to have a message and uh, I don't give a shit. They're going to play it anyways. <laughs> That's cool. It reminds me, the the vibe of Called Arms reminds me of like Bob Seger. Like it has mm. this like real sort of like jaunty, like yeah. Southern he's rock doing, like, thing And he's even doing on. like the call, like, where it kind of sounds like he's echoing himself where yeah. he's listing off different things like yeah it's cool stuff it's very i didn't very realize where i recognized that from but yeah so that's what i was just i was like that's what i was like frantically googling <laughs> on my phone i was just trying to i was like who is that reminding me of and i was going through all these different connections to try and find that that's a really cool album man yeah, yours man. actually has some sort of practical application in the real world whereas mine was more like hey why don't you just sit in a dark room and 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 be exposed to this? Not even like explore it. Just be exposed to the, this. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I didn't. Here's the thing: a lot of people, because I like the National, because I like rock music, um, like Metallica, like Pantera, uh, have been like, "Yo, you should definitely try this drug called Mars Volta." And every time I like look at their their apple music listing or the or spotify and i look at the top songs i listen to i was like well that's horrendous i'm not coming (laughs) back to this um but this uh the loust uh the loust in the how do you say it that's the first problem with for me is i can't pronounce any of the words in it um this seems like a pretty good like gateway to it now that it's been unfolded about like what the story is maybe I can like listen to it and like pick up the lyrics and be able to be like, Oh, this was the reasoning and purpose. Because for me, a lot of like what, uh, what I listen to for music are the lyrics and like, what's the story being told or what are they trying to like sew together? Even mm-hmm. as ridiculous as that sounds listening to like rap music and Astro world there, that is like the main focus for me. I, I, I vibe with that. Mm-hmm. I understand that it, in a strange way. Um, the story like the story being told that is also not being told at the same time in lyrics like the way Mars Volta's lyrics make no sense I love that I love the ability to like hear something unpack it and have it mean a thousand different things yeah and then I think the the sort of like primal connection that I have to that is that his ability to just just force it out so powerfully is something that like i i can't not sing along with like i just love like belting yeah. out all those like strange fucking words that make no sense together yeah it just feels good that's something i'm very familiar with, with <laughs> you the let it out. yeah you gotta let it out fuck it you gotta let it out you guys gotta, you gotta roll your car windows up roll them down. or roll them down you and make direct eye contact with the person next to you. Yeah, scream to yourself. Uh, that was awesome. That actually went a lot better than I expected. Yeah, I had no I idea what know. to expect. I didn't know what this what this episode was going to be like, and I think we actually did some pretty cool shit here. So hopefully more people listen to Sturgill Simpson and more people listen to the Mars Volta now. Yeah, that's the only thing we can hope for. 
That's right. Mars Volta, are they still making music right now? Or no. are they done? No, they've been done for a few years. Uh, and honestly, they haven't released a good album in 10 years. Um, their first three albums are really the only albums that are worth listening to. There's a couple decent songs here and there that they've released. but Are all members still alive? All members are still alive. Uh, the guitarist is... Uh, out doing he like he's one of those guys that starts a thousand different projects mm. uh, so he has a thousand different projects where you can listen to his music but his best stuff is the first three albums of the mars volta uh fun fact about those is he's uh he's more of like an orchestral writer and composer than he is a musician so it makes sense why there's so many fucking sounds everywhere uh john frusciante is the one who record of red hot chili peppers oh okay is the one who records all the guitar work for him like he'll he'll basically like invite john over to the studio and be like hey man uh here's what it should sound like and plays it for him and he's like okay cool i'll go record it for you and then he goes and records it and flea records all their bass work wow yeah so like the 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 studio work of their albums is very much red hot chili peppers because it's flea and a lot of john frusciante doing the guitar and the bass work (laughs) which is really strange but anyway, they have they they have a really weird setup with that sort of thing. But their first three albums is where it's at. Like, and I, I'll send you a I'll send you a cut of a few songs to listen to that like can just listen to it separately. Word. So, anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and, and wrap it. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me at Chase Five Hundred Four on Instagram and Twitter if that's the social media of choice for you. Uh, I will not respond on Twitter most likely, but hit up the Instagram direct messages. You can also find the show at four ears podcast on Instagram as well. And that's uh, the number four and then not the number ears. It's E A R S <laughs> podcast. How you spell podcast normally. And uh, you can find me at Armin hammer TV. Thank you so much everybody for listening. Uh, this has been an episode of four ears. We'll catch you next time later. Bloop.